So I like to say Colin Dunn is the sturdiest man of God that I know. And so I asked him to be my spiritual director. And uh, I'm going to pray over you. And then he's going to bring you all the sermon this morning. That sounds weird, huh? Yeah, it, does. it does sound weird. I know. I get weird every time I say it, you know. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for what you did at that cross for us. God, we just thank you for this congregation. We thank you for all the people that are here and just uh, being forever family. God, we thank you for uh, all the things that you give us that we don't deserve. God, I just pray that you be with Colin as he shares this morning. I just pray that your Holy Spirit is in this place and that it moves freely. Uh, help Colin decrease and you increase in me. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think the Holy Spirit is moving this morning already. I am a little bit out of my element because I'm, I'm not a, you know, public speaker. But when Rucker asked me if I would do this, I mean, when I was thinking about it and praying about it, I thought, how could I not? How could I not stand before anybody and talk about the Jesus Christ that laid down his life so I could be free? So I'm humble. I didn't take this lightly. Uh, it's been heavy, and I've enjoyed every step of it. You guys may have to get me some tissue. I am also a crier, and I'm proud of it. We're in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely our goodness, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Henry Ward Breacher said these words about Psalms 23. It has charmed more griefs to rest than all philosophy of the world. It has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, and more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It's poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner. It has broken his chains and like Peter's angels, led him forth in imagination and sung him back home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master and consoled those whom dying he left behind mourning. Not so much that he was gone as because they were left behind and could not go to. Boy, that's good. Ain't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. When the Bible refers to the Lord in all caps, 
It's referencing the covenant name of God, Yahweh. That's the God who breathed life into Adam. The God who sent Moses to Pharaoh to tell him to let his people go. And then when he didn't let him go, he sent ten plagues. We're talking about the God who parted the Red Sea. David said, that Lord, that God, he's my shepherd. What's a shepherd? And what's the shepherd's role? It's like we talked about this weekend. Shepherd leads the sheep. Shepherd counts the sheep. A shepherd knows his sheep by name. And the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. A good shepherd will love his sheep enough to lay down his life for his sheep. Now, I want you to understand that being a shepherd is not a position that people sought after. It was a low-class position. And I think David wrote this psalm a little later in his life. And the reason I think that is because before David was king, he was a shepherd. He was the son of a shepherd. So he knew firsthand what it took what it took to be a shepherd. But for David to recognize God as his shepherd, he had to first identify as a sheep. I read this book by Philip Keller called A Sheep's Look at Psalms 23. Pretty interesting. But in it, in this book, Keller makes it abundantly clear that when we are called sheep. It's not a compliment. You know, when we look at, when we think about sheep, we think of the pretty white, fluffy animals like we see in the pictures. But have you ever seen sheep up close? They stink. They're dingy. Their hair's all matted up. And they are probably one of the dumbest animals alive. <laughs> Besides little humans, sheep are the only thing that I know of that needs constant care to stay alive. The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. How, David? How, how do you get to the point to where you lack nothing? And I think as we read through this psalm, we're going to see, and I'm going to come back to that, and we're going to see how we can get to that point. But I want, I want to touch on something right here. That everything that we need to be fully and finally satisfied, we can find in Jesus Christ. And so often, we get caught up in chasing what the world shows us is what can satisfy us and what can be fulfilling to us. The world tells us that we can make a little bit more money. If we can just get the next job. If we can just get out of this marriage, if I can just find somebody to marry. If only I could fix all this chaos in my life, then I'd be satisfied. That's not the case. Because nothing in this world will satisfy you but a good relationship with Jesus Christ.
And I don't want you to hear me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying it's not good to desire good things. Matter of fact, I think it's good to want for good things. I think it's good to want to be successful. It's good to want to lead your family to Christ. It's good to want to help other people develop a relationship with Christ. It's good to have dreams and goals. As long as we're content in our relationship with our Creator. He makes me lie down in green pastures. They got you, didn't he? He makes me and he leaves me by quiet water. You know, our culture today, we don't like anybody to make us do anything. Well, let me tell you something. We serve a God that makes you do stuff. The God I serve, he makes you get up in front of people and preach. He makes us forgive people. He makes us love people. And He'll make you lie down. You see, God has created us to live in a Sabbath rhythm. And we got two choices in that. One, we can lie down. Or two, we can lie down. Keller explains in his book that sheep do not lie down easily. They'll only lie down when four conditions are met. Because sheep are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. Can you relate? Because sheep are social animals, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. Have you ever had a problem sleeping after a fight with your spouse? If there are flies and parasites agitating the sheep, they will not lie down. That reminds me of just all the noise in the world. And and if sheep are hungry, they will not lie down. But when all these needs are met, sheep are content and will lie down and rest. It says the sheep has to lead his sheep to green pastures. Because left on their own, they can't distinguish... Good food from poisonous food. They'll eat the bad food and it'll kill them. Can you believe that there's actually an animal walking around that will put something in its body that'll kill it? (laughs) He leaves me beside quiet waters. In the same way a shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures, he also has to lead them by, by still waters. Sheep must be led to clean water because left on their own, they'll drink stagnant water out of a mud puddle full of parasites, and they'll get sick and die. I've also heard it said that sheep have to be led by quiet waters because if they're led by running water, they get so enamored with the white water running that they'll stick their head in it, get soaked, get too heavy, fall over, drown, and die. Can you believe that there's actually an animal that will take something that God gives, water, and abuse it till death? I just want you to understand this morning how much a sheep depend on their shepherd. How many of you ever heard of a sheep being cast? 
cast is when a sheep falls over, can't get its little feet back up under it, and, and eventually legs goes numb, predators come up and it kills them. And a sheep has to go count his flock multiple times a day and look for cast sheep. Sheep can become cast for multiple different reasons. You know, I mean, they can get too much wool on one side and fall over. They, they can be laying down. I mean, they're so dumb, they can lay down and just fall over on unlevel ground, and then they just lay there till they die. Pregnant sheep are prone to become cast. But upon finding a cast sheep, a shepherd picks it up, massages its legs until the blood starts flowing and until it's able to walk again. Have I drawn a parallel between us and sheep? He refreshes my soul. Some versions say he restores my soul. Restore is to make new again. You see, you and I were made perfect. We were made in the image of God. But after sin entered the world, it separated us from God. And I think David is saying here that my shepherd, he makes me new again. I think some of us are, we need some soul restoration this morning. And there's nothing in this world that can restore your soul but Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no amount of money that will restore your soul. There's no human that will restore your soul. There's no pill that will restore your soul. Only God the Father can restore your soul. He guides me along right paths. One thing sheep do left on their own is they'll take the same path over and over. And on that path, they'll use the bathroom. And then they can't distinguish their feces from real food. And they'll eat it, get sick, and die. Can you believe that there is an animal that will do the same thing over and over again until it kills them? He leads me in right paths. How many of you have ever heard the hymn, Come Thy Fount, where it says, Lord, I'm prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love? How many of you in here this morning are prone to wonder? I know I am. You know, sheep have no sense of direction. They can be feeding and just all of a sudden pick their head up and not be anywhere around their sheep, their flock, and not know how to get back. Does this sound familiar? This is why I feel like being part of a church and being involved in small groups and Bible classes and house churches is so important for me and you. I know me and I know that I am prone to wonder. I want to stay close to my shepherd. And I want to build a flock around me of men and women that are looking and listening for the same shepherd's voice. That way when I start to wonder, I'm going to have to bump into a lot of my sheep before I get out of his voice. I mean, how many of you know anybody that just woke up 
one morning and said, Today, today I'm going to get addicted to that drug. Today, today I'm going to cheat on my spouse. Today's the day that I'm going to ruin my marriage. No, no, man, we're just prone to wonder. One step at a time. One scroll. One picture. One text. It's just prone to wonder. One step out of, at a time. And when we separate ourselves from our shepherd and our flock, and we're all alone with our sin, we just become lion bait. You know, First Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But if that's where you find yourself this morning, I got some good news. Because I know of a shepherd who will leave 99 to come to you. I know a shepherd that will pick you up right where you are. And bring you to Him. Check this out. In Keller's book, he talks about, don't worry, they don't do this anymore. But he talks about when sheep were prone to wonder for the sheep's good. Because if they're prone to wonder, they're going to get killed eventually by predators. The shepherd would break the front legs of sheep. And it'd take about three months for sheep to heal and during this three months every time they would move the flock the shepherd would pick up the sheep and carry it with the flock and when the sheep was healed they wouldn't wander off anymore and it wasn't because the sheep was scared to get his leg broke but because he felt the security of the shepherd you know we serve a God who loves us enough that would allow a little bit of pain on us so that we would draw closer to Him. For His name's sake. This may be hard for some of us to grasp, but I can tell you it's not about me and you. It's for His He does all this for His name's sake. He loves us. He does. He loves us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. But it's not about us. Clark says this, To display the glory of His grace, and not on an account of any merit in me, God's motives of conduct towards the children of men are derived from the perfections and goodness of His own nature. For His name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You see, David right here is not saying about when I walk through the valley. Or though I did walk through the valley. David's saying this. When I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. See, I think David knew what it meant to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A couple things I want to point out is 
you know, Saul, David's king, tried to kill him. He had to live on the run. When all David's people was off at war, David stayed back, baking in his own glory, seeing Bathsheba, a married woman, had an affair with her, got her pregnant, and then plotted and seen it through having Bathsheba's husband killed. And then the Nathan prophet came to David and told him, David, you are guilty before the Lord. You think David felt like he was in the valley? David lost a kid. He lost a child. Here's one we don't talk about a lot. David's son raped his daughter. And then another one of David's son kills his son that raped his daughter. And that son, Absalom, grows up and tries to knock David off the throne and does for a little while. And David has to live on the run again. You think David knew what it looked like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? You know, some of you, some of you are walking through the valley right now. Test results came back. It's cancer. Your marriage is falling apart. You feel helpless. Maybe you're stuck in some kind of addiction. Maybe you've just lost a loved one. Maybe you're suffering from depression. I've walked through a valley. I walked through the valley of divorce. I can't describe the feeling of failing, a feeling of loneliness, a feeling of guilt, insecurity, confusion, shame. You name it. It's dark. And I'm, I couldn't see the light. And I think this is what David was talking about. But you see, the end of that, it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know what the opposite of fear is? Faith. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit. And it's not from God. Paul tells Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind. 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love drives out fear. Who's perfect love? We serve a God that doesn't stand at the other end of the valley and cheer us through it. We serve a God that meets us in our deepest, darkest valley and walks with us through it. Notice before now, David isn't talking about God. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. But now that David's in the valley of the shadow of death, he's talking to God. Because when we're in the valley, we don't talk about God. We talk to him. 
When I was walking through the valley of divorce, I seen God. I heard him. It looked like... A little like Josh Hutton. And Cherry. A little like Ryan and Miranda Lee. A little like my wife, Christy. It looked like people of this church that hugged me and prayed for me and walked with me. It looked like men that was teaming the retreat that I went on years ago. It looked like this. If you want to hear from God, I need you to surround yourself with godly people and read His Word. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the rod was used for protection. It was a big ball on the end, and when a wolf or a predator tried to attack, the shepherd would hit it and kill it. And the staff was a long stick with a crook on the end. And when the sheep would wander and get in the thickets, the shepherd would use the staff and pull them out. You see, the rod and the staff were tools that brought death to the enemy, but rescue to the sheep. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have an enemy. But it ain't flesh and blood. Your ex is not your enemy. The person that did you wrong in the business deal is not your enemy. We do fight against flesh and blood. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but the principalities of evil. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does God do? He prepares a table in the presence of the chaos. And we have a seat at that table to eat with the Prince of Peace. What enemy are you battling this morning? You know, God's not telling us to get all cleaned up to come sit at His table. We come to His table dirty, ragged, and hungry, and He cleans us and feeds us. But oftentimes when God prepares a table, we invite the enemy to sit. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. That table is prepared for you to abide in Christ and for Christ to abide in you. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. To me, this is just a picture of the Holy Spirit. Back in those days when the guests would arrive to eat, the host would pour oil on them. And I just, I, I just think about how he anoints us with the Holy Spirit when we sit at his table. And my cup overflows. When we're in the presence of our Savior and we're sitting at His table, we have all we need and more. When you're sitting at God's table, not only does your cup never go empty, but it runs over. John says it like this in 1 John 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That word lavish means to pour out generously. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's only one goodness and mercy, and that's Jesus Christ. And he's following you. Will you turn your eyes to him? And I shall dwell in the house forever. David's talking about eternity now. He knows where he will dwell. 
I want to ask you something this morning. Where's your eternity? I want to circle back to the lack nothing. David, how do you get to where you can lack nothing? You see, David is fed. David's thirst is quenched. David is restored. David is following his shepherd down the right path. And when David is faced with death, his shepherd is with him. He is comforted. He is protected. And when the enemy is nipping at his heels, the shepherd is there to prepare a table. And now, most importantly, he knows where he's going to spend eternity. All of his needs are met. The question I want you to contemplate this morning is, who is your shepherd? Who are you looking for, for contentment? See, this bell right here is, you've heard it ring this morning quite a few times. If you're ready to give it all up, if you're tired of fighting it on your own, if you're tired of doing the same old, walking down the same old paths over and over again, looking for different results, if you're tired, God says, come to me. Come to me who are all heavy burdened. I will give you rest. If you're tired of fighting it on your own this morning, come ring that bell. I'm going to have some guys come down front. Some elders, they're going to pray over you. If you're ready to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and be baptized, we have warm water ready to go. If the Holy Spirit has prodded you this morning, don't let this moment pass that you don't respond. I promise you, It's a lot easier to do it his way than trying to do it ours. I'm going to pray. Guys, will you come down and take response? Father, we love you. Thank you for... Thank you, Lord, for just being our shepherd. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here that is tired, lost wandered off the paths, Lord, I pray that you just, that you rescue them, Lord. I pray that they come to you. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, Lord, to give us eternity with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you come?